Hi guys, Tracy Conrad here. Before we get started with this episode, we wanted to take a moment and thank you for supporting our podcast. We've been on a bit of a hiatus, but have not lost our passion and desire to bring wonderful stories to you, our listeners. And we're gearing up for new recording sessions, so if you know of someone with a wonderful-to-tell story or would just like to attend a recording session as an audience member, please reach out to us at info at wonderfultotell.com. Thanks. Now let's get started with the show. Tell of all his wondrous works. No one can fathom. Tell of all his Remember the wonders he has done. No one can fathom. Wonderful to tell. Wonderful to tell. Wonderful to tell. Hi guys, this is Wonderful to Tell, and I'm Tracy Conrad. This is our second installment from our recording sessions held in Hume and Charlottesville, Virginia. Our event this evening was hosted by Kirk and Nancy Brown, who graciously opened their home to us at Wonderful to Tell. In this episode, Terry Kim shares his story of growing up as a second-generation Korean-American and the path that led him to finding his identity. Here's Terry. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, Thank you for the privilege of listening to my story. Uh, My name is Terry Kim. I am a Korean who grew up in America most of my life. I'm pretty much a second generation Korean, uh, which means I pretty much grew up in America. And uh, so I'm very Americanized in a lot of stuff. And I am thankful for the Lord because it is here in America that I met him. And I just like to spend some time sharing my story with you. Uh, Growing up here, uh, I lived with my parents who are first generation Koreans and uh, they came here back uh, pretty early on, around the 70s or so. And I love them because, you know, despite the fact that they came to a new country, uh, didn't really know the language, didn't really have a set job here, they worked and they worked hard to support the family. And I really appreciate them. And, uh, you know, just the fact that many families like that would come over here just to give their families a better chance, uh, do new different life here and all these things is something uh, very commendable for that. And the difficult thing was, however, because of the new culture, because my parents were also transitioning as well, um, they were not able to help me as well as they could have. Not that they did not want to, but because, you know, they grew up in a Korea and they grew up in the Korean culture. They grew up with Korean expectations. And here I am with my sister growing up with American expectations. So over in Korea and a lot of Asian cultures, we are very communal. We are very community oriented. We have our roles that we carry out. Uh, Over here in America, we're very independent. We like to find our identity. We like to find out who we are and do it by ourselves type of thing. So um, it was really interesting growing up. One thing I would say is I was drawn between the Korean culture and the expectations that came from it, but also the, uh, the American culture as well. Going to school, having American friends, right? And just doing what they did, watching the TV shows, speaking their language, laughing at their jokes. So at school, I would be one person, and then at home, I would be another person. And growing up uh, around middle school, uh, that's when the problems started to come in. Uh, Fortunately, didn't really have serious problems as a former testimony, as I just heard. But definitely, I had issues with identity because, you know, I would try my best to be liked. I would try my best to 
you know, finds my purpose and goals in life and whatnot among my peers in an American school. But then at home, I would just hear different stuff and it would make me miserable. And uh, it was around middle school where I suffered bouts of depression quite a bit. Uh, I did not like going to school because I did not like the people there. But I also did not like going home either because we had some issues at home as well. So it was pretty miserable. And, but the strange thing out of all these things growing up, my parents took me to church. And church in Korea is very interesting because we definitely have a lot of faithful Christians, faithful believers who follow the Lord and serve Him so well. But we also have a lot of cultural Christians, you know, which is very little different from here in America. So a lot of Koreans um, to find you know, community and find friends, find people to eat the same food with, the first place they would go to is church. And so a lot of people would go to church, not necessarily to worship, but to really gain community and to socialize and to network with other people. So growing up, I did go to church and I heard about Jesus. I heard about God, did the motions of worship, did all the stuff. And I grew up thinking that I was a Christian. Thinking, you know, because I believe that God was real. I believe God was good. And I heard about Jesus. Didn't really know the gospel, but Jesus was the Son of God. Great. You know, God loves me. Uh, I need to get baptized to be saved. I need to follow the Ten Commandments to be saved. That's how I grew up. So most of my life, I grew up thinking that I was saved because I went to church doing all the motions. But pretty much in high school, once I started really getting into fights with kids at church, I stopped going. I stopped going and uh, thought, you know what, God's everywhere. Don't really need to go to church. I'm tired of the hypocrisy there, tired of the pastors there, and uh, I can worship God on my own. I'll read the Bible on my own. I'll do things on my own. God is real. I'm still a Christian. It wasn't until college when I took a philosophy course uh, where they asked you the typical anti-Christian questions. Why does a loving God allow suffering? If evolution is true, then, you know, doesn't that just dismiss the Bible? And all these questions that really challenge the existence and purpose of God. And it was interesting because that was the first time in my quote-unquote Christian life that I was really challenged about my faith. For the first time. Maybe I, was, I lived a sheltered life. Maybe I didn't really experience that. But it was really the first time I really thought about what Christianity was really about. And it was the first time I would say that I really doubted whether or not Christianity was real or if God was real. And so I remember one night I prayed and basically gave God an ultimatum. God, if you're real, prove it. That was it. Went to sleep. Next day, and I still remember it very clearly, I did not ask my friend to do it. I don't remember posting anything about it, but my friend uh, shares a sermon online to me. And he's like, hey, you need to check this out. And the title of the sermon was, Why Does a Loving God Allow Suffering? And I was like, all right, Lord, that's a pretty quick answer. Thank you for that. And, you know, I I listened to it. And as I was listening to that sermon and listening to just the explanations and the answers, I was finding myself amazed. I was like, wow, there really are answers out there. You know, how come nobody really told me or discussed these things with me? And I I was just amazed. So I kept on listening to this pastor just, he had a series on apologetics, and he was just going through all these typical questions that people uh, ask against Christianity. And the more and more I, I hear, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. There are answers out there. There are answers that I've been asking for a long time. And there was one particular message where it was just the gospel message. 
and I listened to it. It was a very simple uh, message. It was just saying sin is a chasm and Jesus is the bridge that allows us to go to God. And something about that day, something about that day clicked with me. And I finally realized the purpose and the point of Jesus Christ. I've heard his name so many times. I've seen pictures of Jesus all the time. You know, did all the VBSs and whatnot growing up. But it was that day specifically where I realized, wow, I truly understand why he had to die on the cross, why he came down to here and the promise and hope that we have in him today. And I I still remember it. It was May 5th uh, where I gave my life to the Lord. I prayed, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you actually showed me the answers that I've been looking for all this time. And I want to say my depression and stuff went away uh, immediately. But as I grew in the Lord that first year, just reading my Bible, because again, going to church most of my life, ironically, I did not read the Bible. But that first year when I came to the Lord, that's all I did. I read the Bible. I had two friends that I annoyed every single day with questions, asking them, explain this to me, explain this to me. And the more and more I learned about the Lord, the more I realized how great he was and how he was the answer to many questions I had in, you know, especially during my times of depression. And, you know, whether or not people believe in life verses, I kind of don't, but my life verse would be John fourteen six, you know, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that has been a verse that has really stuck with me because for many years growing up, trying to find my identity, trying to understand, you know, depression, trying to understand people and why they're annoying and frustrating, Um, Christ is the one who has the answer to those things. Christ is the one who really shows us how to live and the purpose and the reason for all these things that people, many people today are just desperately searching for but cannot find because they're finding it, they're trying to find it in the world and not in our Creator. And so through that, um, as I grew in the Word, uh, that is when I slowly came to the realization of why wouldn't anybody want to dedicate their life in just sharing this message. And that was uh, really the beginning of God's call to me to enter ministry as well. And I uh, went to seminary through Liberty. That's a story in itself too, because you know, I taught for, at a Christian school for a couple years. And after you know, the year was over, I was asking the Lord, what would you like me to do? Would you like me to continue to teach, go to a computer science job or something like that? And I still remember shopping, grocery shopping one day. And just buying stuff, going through the shelves, and it was that day. I still remember the image of uh, just people walking by me, doing their daily stuff, buying groceries themselves. And I really felt the Lord asking me, how many of these people know me? How many of these people attend church? How many of these people have hope today? And I was like, I don't know. That's, that's a very good question. And that was the beginning of God showing me you know, the, the need, the spiritual need that actually existed in the world today. Um, a few weeks after that, I had the unfortunate news of my friend, a good friend of mine who was not a believer. Uh, basically, he got shot uh, and was killed in a random shooting up in Maryland. And, you know, I remember talking to him about God, but never really sharing the gospel with him. And that was my first experience of losing somebody to damnation, honestly. And that was the breaking point that really showed me um, the sense of urgency uh, of sharing this hope that we have in Christ today. And that was really the pushing point that 
moved me into seminary and made me realize I want to dedicate my life in just sharing this gospel truth to people. So that's just really a <laughs> quick version of what the Lord has been doing. Today, you know, I served in uh, ministry, youth ministry for about 10 years, and I've learned so many things, gone through a lot of things. Uh, today, I'm focusing on missionaries. I uh, serve in a missions organization, uh, just advocating for indigenous, uh, native missionaries overseas in a variety of countries at this uh, organization called Advancing Native Missions. Um, I speak, I act as a voice for these missionaries overseas that do incredible stuff overseas and really just connect them with the local church here and have them, you know, build partnerships with one another. Um, I still have a heart for Korean Americans, uh, you know, working in a Korean American context for 10 years, I still have a heart for them. They are my Jerusalem. Uh, I love to interact with them, so I love to preach for them. I even wrote a book, which is one of my lifelong dreams, about the Korean American church, kind of just pointing out some of the issues that we have in the church today and what are some solutions, what are some biblical solutions that we can you know, go to and to really resolve these ongoing issues going on in the church today too. So one thing I just want to close off today is you know, just um, two particular uh, verses that the Lord has been putting on my heart for the past couple years. Uh, one is Hebrews 11, 24 to 26. Uh, by, by faith, Moses rejected to be called the daughter or the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. And he chose to be among his people for he realized the rewards found in Christ was greater than anything that Egypt could offer. Um, one of the things that the Lord has been showing me, you know, you would think that after 10 years of serving in ministry, you would get everything right, that you have Christianity set, you're all good. Well, the Lord said, no, I have a lot more things to show you. And I could have been comfortable in ministry and I could have been comfortable just doing the motions of ministry. But the Lord showed me, no, you have other things to work on. You have other things to grow in. And here I'm going to show you. The other verse uh, connects with that is Exodus 6.1, where God simply tells Moses, now you will see what I will do. And <laughs> the Lord has been showing me many incredible things. Uh, in the past year, I had the privilege of going to India, going to uh, Greece to help out Syrian refugees, uh, also going to Korea to help uh, North Korean defectors uh, really come to the Lord and just reach more North Koreans and hearing the gospel and whatnot too. And uh, just me stepping out in faith like this, trusting in our Lord is just, it's a been amazing thing because, you know, and this is what I'll close with, our confidence and our boldness in our faith simply comes from uh, seeing and observing what God is doing in your life. The boldness comes not from your own strength, your own wisdom, or your, even your experience, but rather you're simply confidently presenting to other people what God is doing to other people. And so that is my encouragement for all of you who are listening today uh, to just trust in the Lord. Uh, do not fear man, but really see that He is the only way, <laughs> the only truth, and He is the only life. Thank you so much. Such a powerful message. What stands out most in my mind from Terry's story was when he shared about praying to God. Two different times in his story, Terry asked for God to first show him that he was real, and second, to let him know what to do with his career. And our Lord answered him in very tangible ways. A great reminder to me that God wants me to ask Him for what I need. And when I do, to trust Him, He does answer our prayers. 
Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. To see photos of Terry and learn more about Advancing Native Missions and his book, A Letter to the Korean American Church, please visit our website at wonderfultotell.com. There you can also listen to and learn more about all our wonderful storytellers. And make sure you subscribe to our show so you don't miss out on any Wonderful to Tell stories. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wonderful to Tell. Special thanks goes out to our hosts for the evening, Kirk and Nancy Brown. This episode was produced by Brad and Tracy Conrad with the invaluable support of our crew members, Michael, Lindy, Kevin, Katie, Karen, Nancy, Mark, Debbie, Haley, Jeffrey, and John Alfred. Michael Conrad composed our intro, Lindy Conrad came up with our name, and Matt, Jeff, and Justin from Fort Worth High Tech Signs created our logo. If you have a story wonderful to tell, you can email us, info at wonderfultotell.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or at our website, wonderfultotell.com. And thanks for listening.